Welcome to I'm Not Dead Yet with Judy and Travis, a podcast about living an extraordinary life with extraordinary circumstances. Welcome to the I'm Not Dead Yet podcast. I'm your co-host, Travis Robinson. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease at age 35 in 2014. And I'm your other co-host, Judy Yaris. My husband, Sandy, had Parkinson's disease for 18 years, and I was his care partner. Hi, Travis. Hey, Judy. Today's episode, we're both on the road, remoting in from all parts of the country, at least. Yeah. Both sides of the states. It's kind of fun, huh, to do this. Yeah. At at the present time of recording, I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada, at a pipe show for smoking pipe enthusiasts. Judy is... I'm in Manchester by the sea, Massachusetts. And it's my first time being in New England um, for any length of time. I think I had a layover once. Uh, in Boston, but I've never really been here to see the city or to see the outer areas. And Manchester by the sea is spectacular. The leaves are all turning red and yellow and it's gorgeous. And there's ocean and there's forest and you can't ask for more than that. It's amazing. Yes. Judy shared with me a few of the sights visible from her bedroom window and it is uh, quite the artist retreat paradise that she's staying in there. Yes, it's pretty fantastic. And it, and it's an interesting experience for me as well, because it's the first time I've been on a real vacation by myself where I don't have to do any caretaking of any kind. And I'm not. I mean, I'm just... It's just me and my friends, Gary and Daniel, and we're just hanging out and eating and cooking, and I made homemade pasta for the first time. That was kind of fun, (laughs) and um, it's just been this really glorious experience to just allow myself to kind of be, and I haven't done that. I mean... After coming off of the pandemic, I didn't realize how worried I always was about doing anything outside. And now I actually went to a museum. I did wear a mask because it was all indoors. But it was so wonderful to see these exhibitions. And it just feels, oh, this is what life used to be like, you know, and that's BP before a pandemic. You know, because we forget that we used to do these things and and have fun and relax and not be thinking so hard about every move that we make. And so it's really been nice to have that and also to be in a beautiful environment that like you're living in a forest with a brook running next to the house and tree, the rustling of trees and seeing little bunnies scurry around here and there. It's been nice. Right. And would it also be fair to say that this is the first um, vacation you've taken since before you were a caretaker to Sandy? Yes, absolutely. It, it definitely is. 
because, uh, you know, whenever we took a vacation, there's a lot of planning, as we talk about on this show all the time. Yes. You don't just get up and take a vacation or jump in the car and say, oh, let's do a road trip. Let's drive to San Francisco today or tonight, you know. And we did that for many years before children. And um, we were much more spontaneous. And you don't get that spontaneity now when you are caretaking for someone. So that part is really different. Just going through the airport, um, just knowing that you're responsible for yourself, not having to make arrangements for everyone. And it's been kind right. of fun. I mean, I, I've, I've enjoyed it. I didn't think right. I would mm. like it so much. I, I didn't. I didn't think I would like the idea of traveling by myself so much. I mean, I used to travel on business trips by myself. And that was a little bit different because I was in a different mindset. But this is like now it's just me and not business trip. It's <laughs> just me and right. myself. And it, it has a different, I have a different attitude about it. So it's kind of nice. More soul searching. Yes. And it gives you the option to um, have no one's no other agenda but your own. Yes, and that's the you nice know, thing. If, if you want to get something to eat, you do it. You don't have to consider, you know, oh, is this going to um, provide food that my partner can eat, or is this going to be too hard for him or whatever? Right. Exactly. Or looking at going somewhere and there's a lot of stairs. And I mean, I think I've shared, I don't know, but maybe I haven't shared that I've been having this torn muscle problem in my hip. I have torn ligaments. And so I had a lot of pain through September and now the pain is sort of subsided. I still have the problem. I'm doing some PT, but I thought, oh, am I going to really be able to walk a lot? How's it going to feel? But it's been I haven't had any pain and I'm thinking to myself, now I'm wondering how much of this may be stress, even though there are torn ligaments, no question about it. Is there a stress component that's related to the pain that I've been experiencing? Because I've done a lot of walking, I've done a little bit of hiking, so but I feel so calm and zen-like, which is not my normal state. Um, I, it makes me wonder how much of that pain is just brought on from stress, just everyday stress of worrying about things. Where I came here and I thought, I'm just not going to worry about anything. Whatever's going, my dogs are taken care of. They're in great shape. Everybody's fine. My kids are all fine. So I can just kind of let go. And that is very refreshing for me. I rarely do right. that. And and I would actually put forth the idea, Judy, that whether or not any of the pain that you normally have is related to the normal stress in your life, that doing something that you enjoy and is adventurous is a counter to whatever pain you might experience. Yes. Much like when I'm mountain climbing, I am feeling great in spite of whatever else I have physically going on because I'm out there and I'm doing something that I love to do. That's absolutely right, Travis. You, it sort of takes away, you, you transcend 
what the daily experience might be when you're doing something you really enjoy like that. And I can see how when you're mountain climbing, even though you have to be thinking all the time about the next step, it, it seems like you're able to just let go of everything else. When you're doing that, even though you have Parkinson's, you aren't thinking about Parkinson's. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And I I think for care partners, the lesson that I can see from this is that we all need a little time just to be ourselves. At some point, we need that time, that moment. And maybe it's going to be one hour, or maybe it's going to be four hours. Or maybe you're even able to get a whole day to yourself. But I think we need that time. We need moments to just be in touch with ourselves and not necessarily be in touch with who we're taking care of. Because as a caretaker, once you've been a care, if you have that personality, you're not just taking care of yourself. You may not even just be taking care of the person with PD. You're taking care of friends. You're you're taking care of grandchildren. You're taking care of all these other people in your lives and other family members. So there's always a a sense of caretaking that you are about. And for me this week, I'm being taken care of, which is a really new experience. You know, they're they're making breakfast for me or they're asking me what I want to do. How am I doing? And that's so different. You know, right, and so necessary, like yes. you said, for your ability to recharge and and go back to your daily life, sure. feeling refreshed and rejuvenated, and yes. that will allow you to chase your grandkids. Yes, and, absolutely. You know, keep tabs on all the other spinning plates in your life. Yes, that's absolutely true. It's really interesting. I mean, I'm I'm finding it to be a very um, introspective trip for me. It's it's been good, you know, talking about passions and what we love and what's important to us, and you know, just discussing all those things. And it's good to hear what other people have important in their lives. You know, what the, what they're about as well. People that I haven't been able to touch base with too much. So it's been nice to do this. So I want to hear, Travis, how was your trip? Did you go on? You went on your own on this. I, I take it this is not a trip that Sarah wanted to take. Um, no. <laughs> she is uh, not a pipe smoker. And the idea of gathering in a convention hall with hundreds of other pipe smokers, smoking <laughs> and talking about pipes and the tobacco that they put in them, was not high on her list of choice <laughs> activities for the weekend. Yes, I, I would think so. So how did you get there? Did you fly or did you drive? No, I rode the dog. Oh. The old Greyhound bus. And how was it? It was tiny, cramped uncomfortable, narrow, and everything that you'd expect from a Greyhound bus ride of eight hours 
was no bathroom. What? They had no bathroom? For eight hours? They had a bathroom on the bus that was permanently locked. Oh, why is that? Isn't that illegal? Well, I'm sure it is, but it's also what it was. Oh, my gosh. Did they stop for bathroom breaks? Did they take a break in between on the eight hours? One. Holy moly, that's crazy. And how long was that for? It was 20 minutes that we had to get off, find the bathroom, use the bathroom, and if we wanted any sort of food or whatnot, we could all jostle in line for the McDonald's or the Popeye's chicken. Wow, that's unbelievable. So how did you do? I mean, I'm envisioning you sitting on a bus for two hours, let alone eight hours. I can't even imagine. What was that like for you? Um, it was a small reminder of how grateful that I should be that I don't have to travel like this very often. Okay, good. And Gratitude was is where it's at. <laughs> That was something that I focused on is, I mean, it was cheap, right? It was the cheapest way that I was able to get from Los Angeles to Las Vegas. Uh And it, you know, met that criteria. But man, it is rough traveling with the poorest of the poor. I bet. Putting up with the shit that we all put up with. When we're in that economic um, space, Mm -hmm. you know? I feel like at one time, taking the bus wasn't necessarily, it it was bottom, in a way, bottom barrel, but not bottom barrel. Does that make sense? I, I think at one time, people just didn't get up and fly the way people do today. Yes, because consumer markets hadn't forced the airlines to be as competitive with their pricing. Right. Um, But, yeah, with gas and fuel prices Mm -hmm. going up to $7 a gallon, um, (laughs) that makes the av gas and the jet fuel go up and the prices of airline tickets accordingly. Right. So... So are you going to ride back or are you taking a train home or are you flying home or is is this round trip? Um, No, thankfully I have friends who are here at the show who live in L.A. that will give me a ride back. That's fantastic. I'm glad to hear that. So you don't have to make that kind of ride. Well, can we talk a little bit about Greyhound and their responsibility because this is really disturbing to me to hear sure. that they don't have a bathroom, that they make one 20-minute stop in that amount of time. It just seems like that's wrong. Is, is it eight hours because it's a bus and you don't go as fast? Is that why? Um, well, it's also because they were stopping You know, in Anaheim, in Santa Ana, in Uh, Riverside. 
So in, along the way. In Victorville. Okay. Yeah. And all of those places, they did not have enough time to let people off the bus, but they just tacked it on to our itinerary time. Wow. Like, I would think Victorville would be a great place to take a pit stop, right? You would think. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Totally crazy. So how did you feel when you, all right, you've got through it. You made it to Las Vegas, right? You're there. So what condition condition were you in when you arrived? I mean, you know, you you came Um, to do a show and walk through a, a pipe show, so... How do you feel today? Was that yesterday? I, yeah, it was last night and yesterday because Greyhound, as a note to our listeners, not that I envision a lot of them will be making this trip, but if you do, Greyhound Central Station is not on 7th Street anymore. It is out of Union Station East, but I did not know that, nor was it advertised, so I missed my first bus, which Ah. was scheduled to be um, Friday, Thursday night, arriving Friday morning. Oh, no. So what'd you do? I spent the night waiting outside of Union Station. In downtown L.A. Oh, my gosh, Travis. I I don't even want to go down what that road might have been like. (laughs) Yeah. At least it was warm, right? Well, yes. But I will only say that whoever made the decision to lock all the bathrooms of Union Station at night is an asshole. I mean, they do that to keep unhoused people out, but that does not serve the community. But they are also assholes. Yes. And that is all I can say about anyone who decides to close down every public bathroom within a two-square-mile of where you might be waiting to catch your fucking bus. Yeah. I agree with you. That's terrible. That is really bad. Yeah. So after a night spent waiting on a bus stop with the most charming members of Los Angeles Society for Company. I mean, I I just cannot imagine. I boarded this um, bus, which had probably seen its heyday around 1982 and seemed to be upholstered from about that era Uh and managed to ride the rattling, jolting, bouncing uh, cattle truck all the way out to Barstow, which we arrived in. That was our one pit stop. And then... I bounced into Las Vegas, arriving at around 2 p.m. yesterday or Friday. Uh-huh. Unbelievable. Were you able to go to your room and lay down for a while? No, because by that point, I was so tired that I was moving incredibly slowly. 
And so okay. by the time I showered and, you know, changed and remedicated and all that, it was time to go get some food and, you know, uh, hit the show floor. Wow. So did you get some rest last night? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. I went up, knocked out early, and I am reasonably, you know, restored today so that I can have a day of uh, visiting the show only slightly fucked. (laughs) Not completely, right? (laughs) Right. Oh, I mean, this sounds like it was an awful experience for you. Um, it was awful and the incredibly uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but, you know, like I said, mentally, I was able to appreciate the fact that I don't have to do this sort of travel very often. And it was all a choice. I mean, nobody made me go to this pipe show. Right. I wanted to go. Right. So that is always that is always a important distinction for me. Right. Well, and I think, you know, you didn't know what you were gonna get into with right. with the bus because you would think it's still a public transportation. It is a privately owned public transportation but right. but i would i would think and i think anyone would assume they must have ada compliant seats that they must have ada rules on some level and the fact that they had a locked bathroom i think is terrible i just don't understand that at all well, I don't, do you think that that's from covid probably No, it's probably locked for the same reason that the Union Station bathrooms were locked. Mm -hmm. You know, it's to prevent people from abusing that bathroom. Right. But when I asked the driver, he said, "Um, you know, don't use that. Use the bathroom in the station. And I said, well, that's all well and good for now. But what am I supposed to do? When we get back on the bus for another so many hours, and he just shrugged. Yeah, not so, not well thought out on their part. No, and I'm sure that they have ADA compliant, you know, kneeling buses or um, with the you know ramps to um, accommodate wheelchairs and whatnot, and that is what. They advertise for their compliancy. But this goes again to the fact that PD and what the needs are for Parkinson's disease does not fit into the ADA glove very well. I agree. That's true. It doesn't. And this is what a lot of people find when they have Parkinson's, that it, it doesn't, it's not part of that vision that they have for ADA compatibility. It really isn't. So you have to really be thoughtful when you're planning trips and going somewhere as to how you're going to fly. Um, and if, if when you fly and what, where your seat is located and making sure that you let the people 
that are in the seat that might be next to you know that the person that you're, that either you, if you're the person with PD or a person that you're traveling with that has PD, that if you doze off, you might doze off and you might be having some active dreams and you might yell out in your dream or talk in your dream, or you may reach out or have some kind of physical motion that they're not anticipating. And so it's, right. this is a good lesson in preparation and how to set yourself up for an effective and good trip, which it sounds like there's no way that was going to happen. You were sort of doomed once you didn't even get to the right station. So Right. But I will say that my general um, preparedness mentality made sure that I had a couple of food bars in my bag. Great. A water bottle in my bag. Good. Um, a, uh, you know, personal um, hygiene, uh, you know, type diaper on so right. that I did not have to use the non-existent bathroom right. as often. I mean, those are things that I planned irregardless of the bus or the bus's responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And they were by far what enabled me to have a fuck situation be less fucked. And at least somehow manageable, right? Yes. Some, somewhat manageable. I mean, I, I got to Vegas in one piece and, you know, was able to, you know, um, text my friends here at the show. They came mm-hmm. and picked me up from the transit station, and I'm I'm alive. I'm here. I'm You're not, here? you know. Yeah, you look okay. <laughs> hospitalized or anything? Right, right. And, you know, we'll count this as a win. Right, absolutely, a definite win. Just a difficult one, a big struggle <laughs> to get there. Yes, but you know, so much of my life is a big struggle. So, right. you know, we'll just chalk that one up to experience and moving right along. That's what I like about you, Travis. You always look to see what is you can take away that's positive from the experience. And I think that's really good. Well, that is all the time we have for today. So, Judy, I wish you the very best trip on your return. Thanks, Travis. And same to you. Uh, and an enjoyable stay. And we will catch our listeners on the flip side. Yep. That's a wrap. Bing.